0: This podcast is brought to you by the Access Group.
1: Okay, so welcome back, everybody, to episode two of Legal Minds. I'm your host. Paul Win, and I'm joined by my friend and colleague Marcus Dacom. Say hello, Marcus.
2: Hello, 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 everybody. How are we?
1: How are you, Pod? How are you, Paul? Very well, mate. Very well. So, um, yeah, this episode then we're looking at cybersecurity. Um, yeah, I'm not afraid to admit this is one of my uh, Achilles' heel. You know, I'm very much on the legal knowledge side of things, the software side, but when it comes to cybersecurity, I'm a bit yeah don't really know what I'm talking about here but I understand Marcus you've been a bit busy recently haven't you just a busy couple of
2: weeks
1: yeah absolutely um and it's uh, like you
2: it's not an area that I'm particularly knowledgeable about but I was invited to host a webinar uh a few days back um with Diego Baldini who is our uh, chief information security officer recently joined the board here at access group of which uh, everyone knows access legal is uh, is a division everyone should know that access legal is a indeed, division within access indeed. group uh diego joined us recently from uh, uh from a glittering career uh, and we we're, we're delighted to have him on board as our chief information security officer um diego has worked with the likes of uh, of uh, renault um he uh, spent some time with here the map people uh, that uh, that came out of uh nokia um in uh in very senior cybersecurity and information uh, security roles so it was an
1: absolute pleasure to meet him and so, uh and oh, sorry what, just so did you did you spend the day with him like how long did you spend because i've heard good things about this guy like you can keep things like on a on a level like he's got the knowledge like some crazy knowledge about it all but he can really water it down kind of thing for the standard people taking something that is frankly ridiculously complex and
2: yeah. something that people like you and i can understand right
1: exactly yeah yeah yeah, yeah 100 percent.
2: well it's funny so uh so i was in I was chatting to Harry Fallows, who's uh, who's one of our legal um, IT specialists within Access Legal. Yeah. Uh, Harry works across uh, a, a number of uh, number of areas within Access Legal, but, um, but uh, Harry had already had a conversation with Diego, uh, and out of that uh, came the idea about, to your point, taking something so ridiculously complex as cybersecurity and um, uh, how we can make that really relevant to the people that we talk to, our customers, um, because... Yeah, there are some absolute um, there are some absolute key principles for cybersecurity that apply to any and every business. But of course, what what Harry and I were chatting about uh, and the reason for this webinar was, um, you know, what is it specifically around uh, the legal industry that makes it so important? But more than that, what how do you pull a case together to be able to demonstrate the the value, the risk, the return on investment when you need to invest in cybersecurity. Mm-hmm. So I started by asking Harry why he wanted to spend time talking to Diego about building a case for cybersecurity for, for a law firm. And All the conversation right. kind of went from there, really.
1: All right. Brilliant. So I believe you've, we've, got a, we've got a snippet that I can listen to now, haven't we? Yeah. So, uh, so the, the
2: webinar's available. Uh, so, so you, uh, listeners of this podcast, uh, if they want to listen to the whole webinar can go to our website and, and access that. Uh, but, uh, but I brought, uh, I brought a little bit of, uh, the sort of the key points, uh, with us for you to listen to now. Um, okay. so, uh, so why don't we, why don't we have a listen to that uh, and then, uh, and then we can chat after.
1: Yeah. Sounds good to me, man. Let's, uh, let's get it, let's get it played. Well,
3: so I think the, you know, the reason why I wanted the well, the, one of the reasons for, for today's podcast was how to build a case, and I think the reason why I wanted to start there is cybersecurity is something where you can't really quantify what the the risk is. So I can't say you're at a 33% chance of having a cyber attack in the next 12 months, and I also can't say if you spend X amount of money, you're going to decrease the risk by Y. It's just not how it works. You know, you've got to increase the spend to decrease the risk of something that might never happen. So it's a really, really hard area to say, where do we start, how much do we spend, what's the best place to start? So it's a really broad topic. So I think the, the best person to start with where to start is our very own Diego. So Diego, in, in such a broad topic, where, where would somebody start?
0: That's a very, very good question. Uh, you start with risk. So every business has, uh, has different, uh, different risks. And, uh, and with cybersecurity, what you want to do effectively is to mitigate uh, those risks. The risk might be uh, risk to the reputation of your company, liability risk, uh, compliance or regulatory risk. So there are different, uh, different types of risk. And what you need to do when you think about risk is uh, decide and define what is your risk appetite. So what is that you are willing to compromise uh, in terms of uh, uh, risk, compared to the investment that is necessary to mitigate uh, to mitigate that, that risk, uh, cybersecurity is an investment like uh, like any others. You need to have uh, a goal. You need to have a target. That target is to match your risk appetite, and and for that you need to decide what is uh, the type of investment that you are uh, willing to do as a, as a business. Okay.
3: Okay, in in terms of, I suppose, managing the the risk, before we get into how much you're going to invest to decrease the risk, how would somebody go about quantifying the risk? Because that can be a hard thing to do. You may not know how much you might get fined if you have a breach, or how much reputational (laughs) damage there might be, or what the liability looks like, how much downtime. How would you go about trying to quantify what the, the different risk metrics look like?
0: I would say likely, but, but let's say likely because uh, because I'm a CISO and I'm <laughs> asking to, to quantify <laughs> risk. Uh, I would say likely for me, but unfortunately for businesses, we have a lot of examples. So you, you see uh, today, you know what is the, the medium value of a data breach, uh, you know, per user or per type of data, et cetera, et cetera. So you, you can do some uh, quantification. But eventually, uh, we go back to to the risk appetite. I I was discussing um, very recently with uh, a CEO that was asking my advice on uh, how to define the risk appetite. And um, and, uh, this this type of business holds a lot of um, uh, PII, so privacy-related data, which is covered by the GDPR uh, regulation. Mm -hmm. And that is, let's say, a very simple and straightforward uh, case Uh, Because in the GDPR regulation, it is defined that a breach of the regulation comes with a penalty, with a fine that is up to the 4% of the business revenue. And therefore, I asked it to the CEO, like, okay, I mean, you don't know, you know, what is the value of your risk, but would you be fine if you lose 4% of your revenues? And the answer was like, are you crazy? Right, of course. (laughs) And it was like, okay, great. So we know that your risk appetite is definitely less than 4% of your revenue. Revenue is a number that you have because you know it, you can calculate it uh, and then let's say you can take it from there. So you already have uh, you know, some, uh, some threshold uh, on which you can work. And that's before any
2: criminal exploitation. That's literally Absolutely. just the regulatory fine Absolutely. that stands there, Absolutely. notwithstanding the horrific damage that uh, cyber criminals might right. So that's a really good starting point.
3: Yeah, absolutely and you know, ultimately the, the ICO at the end of the day, they're a business, you know, a part of how they get paid is by issuing fines right. and their job is to look after the client's data, right? So mm. that is what they, they want to do. I suppose other, other ways could be, so downtime, like you said there's ways that you can obviously measure that yeah, absolutely. And, and understanding how much downtime you might have.
0: There is also reputational damage, so you have examples of businesses, uh, I would assume that uh, a legal uh, boutique uh, probably put reputational damage as one of the highest risks. We have a podcast on exactly that uh, which mm. is uh, available now so uh, so yeah we can uh, we can oh. certainly refer there to you that. Go. There Good yeah. <laughs> yeah, <absolutely. laughs> but I think you know reputational risk like this is something that is defined because uh, of course you know if, if I need uh, the service of, uh, of lawyers uh, we were discussing you know I think last day that, you know, if uh, if I'm facing, uh, I don't know, jail time or, you know, I have an eye case, of course I'm gonna hire, you know, the, the best lawyers uh, right. Right. possible. And what define best lawyers? Yes, I can look statistics on wins, but it's also, you know, the reputation mm. of the boutique. Now, if you have, uh, you know, on very sensitive cases, if you have a data leak, or you have stuff on the dark web, or you had a data breach, maybe, you know, like when I, when I Google your firm, I'll think twice you yeah. know, before coming to your business. So that that is one of the, the different aspects, let's say, and dimensions that uh, one of the parameters that uh, a business is uh, called to uh, evaluate when it comes to the protection of, uh, of the business and the protection of the assets, which eventually today are, most of the time, data. Mm-hmm.
2: And that's, and that's uh, a reflection of the fact that these uh, sensitive documenta- uh, sensitive documents and, uh, and paraphernalia aren't stored in safes
0: anymore. They're not stored in files, in secure, yeah. uh, in secure areas. <laughs> they're,
2: scored, they're stored digitally.
0: And so uh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. But, but, you know, the principles are not changing. Right. So the principles are exactly the same. So you add uh, safes you had uh, you know bunch of papers uh, if you were a notary you know you have to notarize the papers with the thread and things like that so and then who has access to the safe probably you know the managing partner or the notary or you know nominated people okay how do you make sure that the safe has not been accessed by unauthorized people maybe you had CCTVs or you had uh, you know uh, big steel doors and things like that um, today you don't have the papers right so today you have data so where is the safe your safe is probably in the cloud okay how is it secured how you're monitoring that your data on the cloud is secure so the the technology change the technology change all the time the mm-hmm. principles are not right so you have to adapt with time you have to adapt with the technology to the principles that uh, let's say are are not uh, changing, are not mutating. So.
3: so, kind of taking the traditional approach. So, you know, you had theft alarms, fire alarms, CCTV. Yeah. You stop people getting in and stealing your paperwork, your data. You try and prevent fires. It's similar to, you know, you've got a risk, even if it's technology. Yeah. You know, you need to control that risk. Absolutely. So, so liability, penalties, downtime, reputation, they're, they're the risks. How do you go about controlling those?
0: When, when you manage a risk, uh, you have uh, three options, accept, reject, and transfer. Okay. So you accept the risk, which means like, you are not going to do anything about it because it's uh, uh, such is life, mm-hmm. or it's something that, let's say, you cannot uh, control, or you accept because uh, the, the risk, uh, you know, to mitigate the risk, you would need to spend uh, a million But, you know, not implementing anything, it's a risk that has an impact up to one hundred thousand. Right. Then it doesn't make sense. Reject. Reject. It's like, okay, no, this is not a risk that our business can live with. And therefore, you know, you put mitigations in place. You put countermeasures Mm -hmm. and you put investment uh, in place. And then there is transfer. Transfer is the interesting one because it's the insurance okay uh, it's insurance or it's uh, suppliers or is uh, third parties it means like okay i take this risk which is today my problem and i make it somebody's else problem <laughs> let's say and with insurance basically we all do every day you know a, a risk transfer basically you know uh, what do you do about the risk of uh, being robbed do you become a policeman do you you know arm yourself or no, uh, what you do is that you buy uh, an insurance against theft uh, or for your car against the theft, the fire, etc. Cetera, et cetera. So that, that's how you manage uh, the risks. That's,
2: that's really interesting because, because you can apply those three principles to, to, to absolutely to any risk. And, and, and so if you have a look at likelihood or, or impact, um, absolutely. That uh, that first stage is well. I've got nothing worth stealing in my house, so I'm not going to bother spending any money. Yeah. The second one is CCTV and arm, uh, bars on the window, and then the third one is, is insurance. And of course, th-
1: um,
2: the the right way to go about this is is to have all three, right? To to yeah. do the assessment, uh, to put the mitigation in place, and then to insure at the same time.
0: And you know, to be honest, that is easier said than done. Okay. <laughs> because. The first reaction that you have is, why should I waste money for something that never happened in my life? i never been, my house has never been robbed, my car never went on fire. Right. Okay, for the car it's a bit different because you are supposed to have it by regulation. (laughs) Right. But for your house, you know, like, I mean, there are are different level of uh, insurances, like, you are not, uh, it's not something mandatory. So, that is not regulation, It's, it's your choice, you know, like, there are... You can insure basically anything. You can insure your income. You can insure your health, etc., uh, uh, etc. Cetera, et cetera. What typically happens, because this is the human mindset, you think about it when an incident has happened. So it's an afterthought, right? Meaning, okay, either you experience yourself uh, an incident. Or you have uh, somebody of your family or your friends and, you know, they stole my car and all of a sudden you, you, you get alarms and you're like, no, wait a second, wait a, wait a second, let, let, let me call my insurance and ask if I'm insured for that thing or otherwise, you know, you just, you just buy, you sign, you get the cheapest, you don't really check, you know, all the, all the details. So, and, uh, and for cybersecurity is the same thing. Cybersecurity typically is not the business of a company right? Yeah. It's uh, something that uh, that you need. Something that is supporting the business. Right. But it's not the way that, uh, you know, you don't say like, you know, I have more cybersecurity, therefore I make more money. Right. Or I don't have cybersecurity, And it's not even something that your customers are usually willing to pay for because they say like, well, I just expect that of course it's secure. Yes, but you know, it, it comes at, at some costs. And, and you need to make utterly your uh, your company, your customers, you, may, you need to explain what these monies are for, what these investments are for, what, is, uh, what are the risks that you're trying to prevent by implementing cybersecurity controls and, uh, and countermeasures.
2: So let's go back to the original question, how do, we, how do we start to build this case for the CEO? We've talked about risk, yeah. we've talked about the value of the, of the digital information, uh, the mitigation and the insurance elements. Yep. but still there's a very intangible return on investment there. So Harry, I know you speak to a lot of firms about this.
3: Yeah, well I'm going to pass the buck straight over to Diego. You you <laughs> you've been uh, I'm sure in in you know many times you've had to present a case to somebody non-technical that yeah. doesn't get cybersecurity that they need to spend more money. We've obviously covered a few different areas, but what are some of the key ways that you would you'd help somebody build a case to a CEO that we need to spend more?
0: Um in my experience, you know, uh, as you know, I have experience with CEOs, with boards. And uh, <laughs> so what I'm going to say is that the boards, they, they, be, they behave uh, in terms of cybersecurity, you know, pretty much the same. They always ask me like, they, they usually give me too little time to explain too many things. Uh, usually I have like 15 minutes or 30 minutes, if I'm lucky. And I always have to answer to two questions. Diego, how are we doing, and how are we doing compared to our competitors? Ah. Because that, that matters for the board, sure. because the board has to steer the, the company. So the way that I make my case is that I need to, first of all, answer those questions. And that you do in a conscious with a conscious decision, because you have, uh, let's say, the, the, the cybersecurity status that I give you for different areas uh, of, uh, of the business. Usually, I use frameworks like uh, like NIST. So we, we look on the on pillars in terms of uh, uh, in terms of uh, uh, identify, protect, uh, detect, uh, respond, uh, and and recover, which are let's say very easy to understand for a board because let's say the name says it's an American standard. So it's, it's quite uh, widely used in the corporate and. And we do that type of, uh, let's say, ranking of the activities. And, of course, sometimes uh, if there are specific problems that I want to address, I go with more operational metrics uh, rather than, let's say, governance, risk, and compliance type of metrics. So that that is, let's say, to address the first question, like, how are we doing? Mm -hmm. I show how we're doing, and then I ask back the question, does it look okay to you or you want me to do something about Mm -hmm. it? The second one is, how are we doing compared to the competitors? Because the last thing a board wants to do is to know that, yeah, okay, I want to be so much better you know, than in this area, and then realize that it's already better than the competitor, and then you know, they come back to the question like, okay, then why are we wasting money? Why are we wasting, you know? And typically, the boards are gonna tell you, look, I don't want to be, definitely I don't want to be below Our competition but I don't want to be either far ahead right because then it means that I'm overspending so I don't want to underspend. so you have to put me somehow in between in the middle now that is easier said than done why because you you don't work for these companies so you don't see how is the internal security of these companies and what you see is only let's say the the, the external cybersecurity posture there are some companies. So, for example, how do you know? Let's make an analogy with investments. How do you know that uh, a company is doing well? That, uh, or if you are buying debt, for example, if you are buying bonds, how do you know that you are not throwing them uh, out of the window? Or and you are going to get your return on investment? Usually, you have rating companies. So, sure. you have Moody's, Standard and Poor. for cybersecurity. You don't have official ones, but you have industry de facto uh, standard, uh, and you have different companies
3: like BitSight, uh, Scorecard, uh, ISS, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So you've got you mentioned, I think, a framework that you can benchmark yeah. where you're at against what good looks like. Is yeah. it NIST? I think NIST. You, you said. Yeah. Uh, are there any other examples that that? They're,
0: they're quite, NIST is the most used, but you are, you okay. have many, and then you know a lot of companies. You know they they have different flavors. Some they say like, okay, you know we do a mix of uh, NIST, uh, ISO twenty thousand one. Mm-hmm. ISO twenty thousand one okay. is, uh, ISO is uh, a certification actually. So okay. in Axis we have we are certified for ISO twenty thousand one. NIST is not a certification; it's just a framework that you either follow or not. Right. Yeah. Um, and then let's say you know there's plenty of consultancy companies, you know, the big four, but also, you know, smaller ones, uh, which will be totally happy, you know, to do an assessment based on this framework for okay. you. And and this is something that, uh, that it's usually good to do for business because, yes, maybe you have an upfront cost. Yeah. But then, you know, you have a peace of mind, like you don't have to go back. You kind of have the answer to the first question, how am I, how am I doing today yeah, in terms yeah. of cybersecurity? Yeah, yeah. And then you can plan. Then you can plan based on uh, your risk appetite, on your the, the money, the budget that you have available, yeah. your future plans. Uh, it helps.
3: Okay. okay. So you've got um, you've got frameworks you can compare yourself to. You've got benchmarking against other businesses, yeah. which you can do as well, and then of course, s- spend is the bu- b- budget, is something yes. that comes into every conversation, <laughs> um, every, that, you know, alongside cybersecurity, shortly after is, is, is budget, Absolutely. Um, so how, how does a business benchmark, so in, what should I be spending? So in
0: terms of benchmark, uh, and uh, again, let's be careful because this is all uh, empirical, eh? yeah. so, but um, I have a couple of, uh, of numbers, so one is from uh, Gardner. Uh, one is uh, from the World Economic Forum. Uh, I've been also part of the World Economic Forum in the past. Uh, Gardner says that basically in um, more or less the the investment in cybersecurity should be should amount out to about 7% of the IT total expenditure. Now sometimes it's very difficult to define what is the IT expenditure. Now in, in some business for which IT it's let's say a support function. It's easy because you, this is your business, this is uh, your revenues, and then you have support, which is IT. Uh, you have facilities, so you you know your budget. For a company like us, it's very difficult mm-hmm. because it's all IT. Right. <laughs> yeah. So so then uh, let's say you know if I would uh, if I would uh, use the same parameter, that's why I say careful. If I w- say seven percent of all the revenues of, of Access, that. That would be an overkill, yeah. you yeah, know. Yeah, of course. So, so you have to size it. You have to scope it a bit. But they say, basically, you know, to be to be in line with the industry, you know, not to be lucky behind, it's about seven percent of the IT expenditure. World Economic Forum says no. That's if you want to be in the average of what is today in the industry. But in the industry, people have, uh, I mean, companies have uh, incidents, mm-hmm. they have data leaks and everything. So you need to be ahead. So you need to invest more not to be in the average of right. the businesses, which are anyway here and there falling. Yeah. And they say that it's about 12%. OK, of the IT spend. Of the IT spend. Of, it a, so of, a, of a firm. Yes, yeah. they, they use this proportion now let's say that is an indication I've been working in companies which were spending more or spending less and and still you know it was fine uh, again it's an indication but you know like everything you have to take it a bit uh, with, a, with a grain of salt I mean like you, it helps again to to do your own uh, homework but there's an enormous amount of context there as
2: well because the spend will be different for some companies that deal with international commercial law Absolutely. as opposed to much smaller companies for example that might uh, you know that might be susceptible to potentially ransomware style attacks rather than uh, yes. concerted cyber criminal for the content itself so so each one of those uh, guidelines that you've just talked about would be would be a starting point but you would need to do yeah. the risk assessments and the mitigation and, and and that would that would obviously but but that's a great place to start right yeah, yeah. but there's a huge human element to this as well yes. of course uh, and, and the training uh, of how we go about our day-to-day activities, not writing passwords down, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, not opening up um, ridiculously too-good-to-be-true emails and all of that. And so a good supplier would provide that sort of human training as well, yeah. I imagine. Absolutely. Yeah.
3: That's one of the places I was going to say to, to start. I think, you know, a lot of the times you're, you're going to a business and you'll see they're spending tens or yes. maybe hundreds of thousands on, <laughs> on cybersecurity, you know, a million-pound firewall. Yeah. but. That the one thing that you can't control is what people are going to click. Right. And I think, not to you know, throw statistics, but I think 91, it changes depending on what company you speak to, obviously, or what website you look at. Typically, it's around 91 to 95% of attacks are because of people, yes. clicking something they shouldn't have done. Right. And what's amazing, you'll see businesses spend 150 grand a year on certain cyber security solutions with no cyber, cyber awareness training. Right. And that's something that could cost anywhere from a couple of hundred quid to two, three grand a year. You know, so I think a big part of it is what is going to give you the biggest impact for the for the least amount of spend. You know, and if it's if it's training people better, and that's going to cost you a few hundred quid or a few few grand a year, right. it's a sensible place to start. And then, you know, email security again, typically they say around sort of 90 to 95% of cyber attacks start with an email. It's, it's the easiest way into a business. Absolutely. And again, an email security solution, it could be fine tuning what you've already got. You can probably make what you've already got better without mm. spending more money. Mm. Um, so that's free. Just being better with what you've got, or maybe laying on some solutions at the top. and again, a lot of email tools are, you know, depending on the size of the organisation, could be a few hundred quid a year, a couple of grand a year. You know, just start in the places that are gonna have the biggest impact. And if you've got budget left over, between seven and 12% of IT spend, then you can maybe get some more advanced solutions I- in other areas. But I think start with the simple stuff, right, that a lot of businesses still maybe aren't aren't quite doing.
0: No, that, that's a good point. And, uh and yes, I mean, like one exa- one example that I see every day. I mean, like first of all, I still see post-its in companies when I go right. and visit even customers, you know. And I'm like, really? But but yeah, you 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 still see it. Um, but the thing is that yes, I mean, like uh, simple things like your login, your password, and the MFA. Password complexity. You have to make your password complex, not. Uh, change the last uh, two numbers that you put in the password because it has to have numbers right and then don't use the exclamation point as the special character or the at as the special character because everybody does that so it doesn't change you know like you're looking for the complexity and then mfa so mfa multifactor authentication so you know like when you get uh, the message on your phone or your biometrics people disable it because it's annoying because you spend more time yeah but eventually you bought a solution which provides you high security through the mfa technology and you disable it for your usability for for the five minutes that it bothers you so why you bought why you bought the 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 technical solution at all Mm. and why you are decreasing your own security you know so um so sometimes yes i mean like the 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 user awareness is extremely important as i said, like it's not just enough like okay you buy a tool and you're fine no you buy the tool then you need to have somebody that is operating the tool right. and then you need to preach right uh, and to have you have to establish the cultural awareness for cybersecurity in your company otherwise you cannot cybersecurity is not something you can win alone
3: yeah yeah perfect i think one of the um and we'll, we'll move on to a, a couple of i think key takeaways in a moment uh, one of the things that just sort of sprung to mind actually in, in, you know a lot of this is around how can you quantify things how can you prove things and, and focusing very much on the fact that we're, we're aiming this at, at law firms, you know, they, they have to be compliant with certain things as well. They're at higher risk of penalties. Um, one of the things that kind of make, makes me laugh in a frustrated way, i speak with, as I mentioned, I speak with a lot of law firms every single day, and often I'll say, okay, where, where do you feel you're at in regards to security posture? Really good. How concerned are you? Yeah, really concerned. How concerned do you feel you are based on what you've got? Do you feel you're pretty well protected with the measures you've done? Yeah, of, often they'll say, definitely. I say, okay, tell me a bit about cyber awareness training because that's the, the place to start. Right. They'll say, <laughs> well, we, we, we do bits and pieces, <laughs> right? <laughs> okay, um, you know, what, what does that look like? Well, we've got somebody that sends around emails, um, and you know, once in a while, is it structured? No, no, they'll sort of just, whenever they feel fit. Okay, do you sort of, do you test users? They'll go, no, but I think they're pretty good. Right. <laughs> so, you know, it's things like that. They'll say, I feel we're, like we're in a really good place. What you, you think and what you feel, isn't a, isn't a, a plan? You know, it's not yeah. something. You know, if you're sat in front of the ICO, the SRA, and you've had a data breach, yeah. and they say, "What was your strategy there?" And you say, oh, "I thought we was pretty good. It, it felt like people." Were g- it's not a strategy for cybersecurity. Is it, it's, it's the it's famous,
0: uh, it's the famous trust but verify? Right. Uh, right. We yeah. understand that you trust your employees, yeah. but verify. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. <Yeah. laughs> so, absolutely yeah. right. You mentioned
3: three key takeaways. Yeah, absolutely. Many- so so the people have got some some main places to start. Um, following this, what what do you think are the three key takeaways that that people c- can take away from today's session?
0: Um, define a risk appetite. Mm-hmm. Establish what are your um, your security uh, your security posture. So, what is let's say your security, and then I mean like. Yeah, uh, invest, you know, like, have, have, a, have a clear direction, you know, where do you want to invest, what are the risks that you want to, to address and rank them, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, and just keep in mind that uh, uh, what, what, one advice that I would give is, uh, don't throw money to the problem. It's right. very easy to do, to just say like, okay, you know, let's budget, you know, a million, 10 million to security, well, just think, uh, again, the big tech companies, they invest billions and still you see major data leaks and major security incidents. High profile, And they, yeah. they, they have, you know, they, they could buy your business <laughs> with, with the money they spend on firewalls. Right. And still, and still you know, they get uh, attacked, so.
3: So understand what the risks are, yeah. understand what your risk appetite is, yeah. and then appropriately invest to, yeah. to mitigate those. Okay, so number one, I think that number two could be I suppose, you, you know, we're talking about the tech and then you've also got the people that actually make the decision. I think those two may be being a bit more aligned.
0: Well, you need uh, well, as a CISO or the, the security manager, definitely you need to have uh, the, the, the support of your board and your CEO. Right. Because what you, what you do, first of all, you know, you're not bringing uh, business, you are protecting the value of your business. So you're, it's not that if you do great cybersecurity, you know, you see revenues increasing it's kind of vice versa you make sure that the business stays as as it is so it's a it's a protection and the other thing is that you will introduce again like you know like mfa or like controls uh, you will implement uh, some features to protect the assets of the company which are a bit unpopular sometimes and people kind of don't want because they are annoying or things like that and for that, I mean, you need to support, you need to have the board on board and, and your CEO. The other thing is investments, of course, and the company culture, as yeah. we say, the human factor. <laughs> if the, the CISO is alone screaming like, hey, please, you know, don't do this, don't do that. If you hear it from the CEO, it will cascade all the way, you know, from the CEO and board. Then it will become an embedded Uh, uh, cybersecurity would be embedded in the culture of the company which is what you want because again you cannot do cybersecurity alone so you need to have every single person in the company to work to work towards the cybersecurity goals that uh, that you will define. I love that Uh,
2: and and, and a great summary Uh, comes down from the top some great guidelines in terms of the budget uh, uh, as part of the overarching uh, sort of IT spend but Again, time and time again, Diego, I've heard you say within context, it's not something you can just throw pots of cash out. Yeah. You've got to do it consciously and, and with awareness. Uh, and I love that. Uh, I love that uh, cultural piece, because, again, we, you know, certainly at Access and I know in most companies, uh, you know, there, there is a huge focus on on the impact that an individual can have just by clicking on that rogue email or, or, or whatever. And so and so that ties it together.
1: Right. Wow. So can I just say yeah I could listen to Diego all day
2: it's hypnotic isn't it the guy's so knowledgeable and so great to listen to yeah and what a way to get the messages across right so
1: 100% like that's yeah just yeah love it love it his accent just brings it (laughs) <laughs> really as well, it? Love it. Uh, it was a great
2: conversation we uh, and we and we genuinely we we could have uh we could have chatted about this uh all day long the way that he's able to the way that he's able to take uh something that is so multi-layered and so sophisticated and break it down into some into some sort of key uh key points to take away talking about the safe uh where you used to store your documents um and and then how to think about that but you know in the cloud or with digital uh, digital assets. Um, oh, yes,
1: it, like, really was, like my very first job in a law, it was one of those old school, like uh, yeah, high street firms, the solicitors, reception desk, is, as people walk through the massive spiral staircase with all these paintings around, but literally behind the reception, there was like, there was a big old strong room, where you had a proper like, crank the right. handle to open it, and that's where all the document, and so to put it in that kind of To relate it to that actually really helps in the fact that yes, things may have moved from that big strong room up to a cloud with people you are able to be paperless. Yeah. So it's all up there, but you still need the same similar kind of security around that to stop people from accessing it.
2: It's the same approach, isn't it? And, and it was fascinating when he was talking about the steps that you go through. So uh, so have I got anything that that is worth protecting is your first question. Well, for every single law firm, the, the answer to that is, of course, yeah. um, you know, we're not talking about a uh, a a small retail store or a, you know or a restaurant or something you know mm. we're talking about things that people want to keep confidential right so by the very nature of the work that's been done then it's about the mitigation uh you know do I put bars on the window I think was the example yeah. that we <laughs> talked about uh then uh you know the insurance piece and then and then obviously the uh you know the the uh the, uh, the reactivity you know what what
1: happens mm. uh how do you how do you mitigate against um what I really like is because obviously putting a case forward to someone who isn't necessarily, you know, that tech savvy, you know, they are, they're running their law firm, they're doing it on a day-to-day business, they've got someone appointed to be in control of all this, how do they put that across to them to actually we need to spend this much money, but by putting it across as what is your appetite for risk, right, yeah, how much are you willing to essentially lose and by the way i did love your little segue into uh the reputation uh, reputation the, management the previous of, yeah absolutely by the, the way we've got a podcast <laughs> like that well done mate well done very good yeah. uh but actually also from the harry's perspective because obviously Dave is going on on the whole like how do you put this across to the board this is how much we need to spend in order to make sure that we we're risk compliant essentially like we're not going to get hacked and what have you because you can't put a percentage on it at all
2: no it's interesting there were two levels there's the there's the there's the fines that you might incur for not being compliant and but that doesn't even scratch the surface of you know, the exploitation that these cyber criminals might, um, you know, might might apply in terms of, and that's, that's relatively unknowable, you know, what happens yeah. if this information is lost, the the financial damage that that could create, and that, and that, and that's reputation, but it's also, you know, uh, ransomware, uh, you know, comes into this, there's all sorts of elements to it. So yeah, you, mm-hmm. you're right to pick up that risk appetite at uh, uh, 100%. The fascinating piece from my perspective, though, was not to just throw money at the problem. And I was mm-hmm. really, taken aback by that because it's not just a case of going out and buying you know every system that you can think of without sort of thought to the approach that that you might need to take that's appropriate for your uh, for your business uh but it was refreshing to have somebody like diego Terman say yeah don't just spend you know uh, don't just spend a huge amount of cash without the knowledge of, of, of what it is you're 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 deploying
1: yeah you don't want to be like spending more than everyone else you don't want to be spending less than everyone else you want to be in that middle a ground of it don't
2: you? Yeah absolutely and then of course there's the people because you can you yeah. might have the most secure system in the world but if you've got people downloading and, and sort of uh, clicking mm. on links from from spam emails and, and bits and pieces so there's very much that sort of people element to it as well so it's not just about the technology it's about how it's used and the people within your business and they need to be upskilled as well.
1: Because that, that to me is my actual real <clears throat> takeaway from this because I've 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 kind of been around that as well. So in my former life before working for Access and you yeah, know demoing the software and doing all of that lovely stuff, I was actually working for a software company and um one of the engineers got me to or re- reached out to me and said, "Look, one of our clients believes they've been hacked. Could I get on there and have a look and have a word with the fiend? just find out what had actually happened?" And um yeah, so Logged on, did a bit of investigation, spoke to the Fiona, and what had actually happened was that the Fiona they'd received 30000 pounds worth of damages for a client. They sent an email to that client saying, Oh yeah, we've got your money coming. Could you just send me your sort code and account number and we'll send that through to you? Oh no. Now the client did respond with it, but they didn't actually see that email. What they saw was an email sent about 20, 30 minutes later from a very similar looking email address saying, Yeah, sure, here's my sort code and account number. Vienna ended up sending thirty thousand pound out of their client account to a fraudster. So, having that training that that is paramount, really. That's that's because it, it was Harry who said it, wasn't it? Like that's really where you need to kind of start.
2: Yeah, you know, absolutely.
1: Like start small, train your staff, get them all up to a level where they're able to kind of just double check these emails coming through. Because all it takes is a second glance if you know what you're looking for. Absolutely. Yeah,
2: and 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 they get more and more. You know, these attacks are getting more and more sophisticated. So making sure that you're making sure that your crew are are absolutely, you know, at their best. Vigilance uh, is, is an odd word, but you know, just to be aware of the fact that if you do get an email saying that you've won an all expenses trip to you know Las Vegas or whatever. Uh, <laughs> for a competition I? you've never Brilliant. heard of before yeah exactly right <laughs> <coughs> no exactly right so um so yeah so so plenty to uh to digest and as i say you know I, I i think i brought about sort of 20 minutes of of the conversation uh i would urge everybody to go and and access the webinar and uh,
1: and have a look at uh, i look am on route to it if and if it's just to listen to more of diego speak can we get him like reading books or something else so i can <laughs> listen to them at night i, I mean, will
2: i will definitely ask the question absolutely Please do so, please do so that's what i've been up to uh this week i think uh, i think you'll agree time well worth spent
1: yeah 100 yeah really really enjoyed that like I said, i'm gonna yeah, listen to the the full version of that webinar um but yeah that's 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 it from us for this episode isn't it what are we
2: what are we talking about next time do you remember
1: i haven't i haven't got our register up mate i can't remember do you... i do i think it i think it's uh, about the power of
2: um data and um uh, and how to uh, oh. data reporting digital first uh in a uh, in a human organization that sounds very high brow doesn't it it's about it's about
1: digital first. we'll do sure to bring that down a level or two that's <laughs> <laughs> good stuff pleasure to have your company again paul always good as always, Marcus. As always, and yet yeah, we will. Uh, we'll catch up next time. Catch up next month. Good to see you, mate. Yep. Catch you soon. Bye-bye. Bye, bye, everyone.